Hi and welcome to the Visual Politic Podcast. I'm your host, Simon. This is, as always, an audio version of a YouTube video that we put out originally in April of this year. It was released on the 2nd. It's about Nicolas Maduro's last allies. Let's just roll into it, shall we? Recently, we've published a lot of videos about Venezuela and the terrible political situation that that country is facing. We've told you how they've got to this point, the basic characteristics of this narco-dictatorship, and how the revolution involved, the Bolivarian Revolution, has condemned most Venezuelans to poverty, even causing one of the greatest exoduses in history. From UN News. Venezuelan refugees now number 3.4 million. Humanitarian implications massive. UN warns. However, while events are rushing ahead at warp speed with this man, Juan Guido, leading a firm opposition against the Maduro regime, we thought that we needed to make a general review of a fundamental issue. Who are Nicolas Maduro's main allies? Who are the players that continue, despite everything, to support this regime? And why? What? are their interests. Cuba is yours and belongs to everyone. It may seem incredible given the current circumstances, but the Chavez regime continues to have some very formidable allies. And listen up, because these are the four most influential partners, the four strongest allies that the Venezuelan regime still has. Fourth, today for you, tomorrow for me. 2010 saw the beginning of a beautiful relationship, or perhaps it would be more accurate to call it a hateful fellowship. Leave that up to you to decide. That year, Nicolas Maduro traveled to Turkey as Venezuela's chancellor. There he met current Turkish president Tayyip Erdogan. These are two politicians who feel attacked by the West, and the relationship is mainly based on emotions. Erdogan doesn't forget that Maduro was one of the first leaders who supported him during the attempted coup of July 15th, 2016. Now Turkey is returning the support they received. Metmet Oskan, Center for Global Policy of Washington. So we can understand this better. The relationship goes a little something like this. Hey look, it turns out the rest of the world has it in for us. They say that we're authoritarian, as if bringing about order were such a bad thing. They say we don't respect freedom of the press either. So how about if you support me, and I'll support you? These populist and authoritarian leaders are seeking to develop man-to-man relations rather than relying on institutions, bureaucracies, or rules. Mehmet Oskan. The fact is that since the Turkish coup d'etat took place, or as is suspected the auto coup d'etat, trade between both countries has multiplied 13-fold. In 2018, alone exports from Venezuela to Turkey surpassed a billion dollars. And no, this wasn't industrial or even agricultural products. Not at all. I'm talking about the last source of foreign currency with which the Venezuela regime has attempted to stay alive. I'm talking about gold. 1,480 tons of gold. Turkey has become a satellite headquarters for refining, certifying, and distributing Venezuelan gold. It is the perfect laundry, so to speak, allowing Nicolas Maduro's government to continue to obtain foreign currency. This is becoming more and more complicated, however, especially after the collapse that the oil industry has been experiencing. From Bloomberg. Venezuela oil exports slumped to a 28-year low. Shown on screen at this point is a graph from the BBC showing oil production in Venezuela from 2000 to 2018 and highlights the points at which Chavez and Maduro were elected. There is a sharp drop following the election of Chavez, which quickly bounces back, but overall it shows a steady decline in production. 
Apparently, the agreement that Venezuela and Turkey signed would be allowing Caracas to evade United States sanctions. From Bloomberg. A mysterious Turkish firm helped Maduro move 900 million in gold. In the last few months, sightings of private Russian and Turkish jets have been frequent at Caracas Airport. Some of them, by the way, are owned by Sina, a mining company that is very close with the president of Turkey. Well, what is suspected is that these planes are arriving in Caracas to get gold from the country in a rather shady way. And I'm sure you can probably guess where a lot of that gold is gonna end up. There are a lot of bandits out there taking advantage of their post to rob the people. Our relationships, they go beyond that. In December of 2018, not all that long ago, Erdogan starred in the first visit of a Turkish head of state to Venezuela. During this trip, commercial agreements with a value of more than $5 billion were signed and the creation of joint ventures for exploration and exploitation of coal, gold, and oil were also announced. For example, it's highly significant that the Turkish food industry provides about 70% of the food that the Venezuelan government distributes under the CLAP program. These are food bags that are delivered to families monthly as a means to gain some sort of popular support. Can you imagine how Venezuela would be without the CLAP? But let's move on. Fellow President, the honor guard is ready. Third, what about my things? It's well known that throughout the Bolivarian Revolution, Cuba's role was extremely significant. Count on us for anything. Cuba first supplied Hugo Chavez and then Nicolas Maduro with paramilitary forces, protection, and intelligence teams. Practically everything that the Venezuelan bigwigs needed to consolidate their power. Venezuela is nine times larger than Cuba and has three times its population and its economy is four times larger. The country is home to the world's largest oil reserves. However, some crucial functions of the Venezuelan state have been delegated to Cuban officials or are directly controlled by Havana. Moises Naim. Maduro is not a Venezuelan patriot. He is a Cuban puppet. That's what he is. It may be controversial to say, but Cuba has basically become a supermarket of terror for all dictators. According to the Secretary General of the Organization of American States, Luis Almagro, there are between 21,000 and 46,000 Cubans in Venezuela. From El Nuevo Herald. Rubio, Cuban agents direct repression in Ureña, Venezuela. Cuba is responsible for repression and torture in Venezuela. Luis Almagro, Secretary General of the OAS. Of course, none of this has come for free. You see, in exchange for supplying doctors and paramilitary forces, Cuba has received a lot of oil in more than advantageous conditions from the Venezuelan government in recent years. In fact, during the Bolivarian Revolution, the Cuban economy was very dependent on Venezuela, although not quite as much as the Soviet Union. However, as things continue to progress, and although they still seem to be playing a key role in the repression today, the island simply doesn't have enough economic resources to keep the narco-Chavez regime on its feet. What I mean is that in the future, Cuba's biggest role may be only to give refuge to Nicolas Maduro and his cronies, so long as the DEA doesn't capture them first. Second. Business is business. 
If you follow this channel regularly, you may know this well. We've focused a lot on the Caracas-Beijing relationship. And note, this isn't an ideological issue. It was, is, and probably will be, with or without Maduro, a pure matter of business. Oil is the most fundamental reason why China and Venezuela joined powers. China needed a lot of oil, and Venezuela had it. The relationship flourished since then, and both built ties based on oil financing agreements. Matt Fershen, Carnegie Xinhua Center for Global Policy. You see, the first oil loan agreements between China and Venezuela date back to 2007. Venezuela. Venezuela has established itself at this point as the country in which China has the highest level of investment in Latin America. We're first in Chinese investments in Latin America. For Hugo Chavez's Venezuela, these agreements meant fresh, constant, and sound cash flow for his revolution. For China, on the other hand, gaining access to the Latin American country's huge energy resources was something that the Chinese economy needed at all costs. Their oil consumption rates increased year after year, and they needed to secure their supply. Shown on screen is the IEA Oil 2018 report showing crude oil imports between 2003 and estimated up to 2023. It looks at China, India, and the US. Over this period, the US drops from 10 million barrels per day to just over 4 million barrels per day, and India and China rise from 2 million barrels per day to 5 and 10 million barrels per day, respectively. And we are talking about small numbers here. According to data from the Center for Inter-American Studies and Boston University, between 2007 and 2018, China lent the Latin American country almost $70 billion. Today, the debt seems to surpass $20 billion, and to be fair, we must say that Maduro, he hasn't exactly been a good payer. And the financing schemes we have with China don't generate debt. Beijing trusted that the Venezuelan authorities would be able to do something productive with all of the money that they'd put on the table, at the very least invest enough to maintain oil production levels. Beijing never imagined that the Venezuelan government would be quite so disastrous. And so for the Chinese, all of this is just fundamentally a matter of business, leading to incidents like this. From CNN Money. China sues Venezuela's oil company over unpaid bills. In spite of everything, Beijing suspects that their agreements could be endangered if there's a government change, which could mean not charging part of the debt that Venezuela has to pay in oil, or even losing the privileged access that they are getting from Venezuela's huge reserves. It is precisely for this reason that one of President Juan Guaido's objectives seems to be to assure the Chinese that whatever happens, the past agreements will be respected. From the Wall Street Journal. China talks with Venezuela opposition to protect investments. No matter how the situation evolves, China-Venezuela cooperation should not be undermined. Gang Shuang, foreign ministry spokesman of the People's Republic of China. And finally, we get to the last ally and what may be Nicolas Maduro's last hope. First, a spearhead against the West. Nowadays, Vladimir Putin's Russia is the biggest international supporter that Nicolas Maduro's regime has. In the last two decades, Russian companies have secured important military contracts, and since 2015, many rights to some of the most significant oil and gas fields in Venezuela. And they have achieved all of this at bargain prices. Want an example? Well, take a look at this. 
In exchange for a desperate $1.5 billion rescue, the Venezuelan government has set 49.9% of its stake in Citgo, PDVSA's crown jewel, an oil company that operates in the United States, where it owns three refineries, a huge gas pipeline network, and almost 6,000 service stations as warranty. If PDVSA doesn't pay the $1.5 billion they owe to Rosneft and Gazprom, Venezuela could be forced to sell what is today its most valuable industrial asset at a very low price, all for just $1.5 billion. And it's at this point we really have to point out that $1.5 billion for half of Citgo is almost a joke. And with that, we can say, well, welcome to Maduro's desperation sale. The point is, folks, that Russia has become the Venezuelan government's number one supplier of weapons, military equipment, and instruments of repression. We seek a peaceful transition of power, but all options are open. Missiles, tanks, planes. In recent years, the Bolivarian government has spent a lot of money on Russian equipment. For Putin, Venezuela has meant a huge amount of business for his military industry, which is incredibly important in Russia. But also now Putin sees it as an opportunity to continue poking the West's eye while he increases his control over some of the planet's largest energy reserves. Anyway, folks, these are the four most important allies on which Nicolas Maduro's narco-dictatorship still counts. Also on the list would be countries like Bolivia, Nicaragua, and Belarus, but they have a much smaller influence globally. As it stands, the Bolivarian government will do anything it can to secure Russia, China, and Turkey's, they already have Cuba's, full, expressed, and firm support, even if they have to sell what little remains in Venezuela. However, the political weakness and the chaos that the Chavez government has created is so extreme that this may no longer be enough to bargain with. Basically, with this video, we wanted to better explain who continues to support this train wreck of a regime. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. This was originally a video that aired on our YouTube channel. If you'd like to get stuff right up to date as it comes out, please do search Visual Politic. That's politic with a K, one word, in YouTube, and you will catch all of our videos. Also, if you like this, please do consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We really do appreciate it. And as always, I'll see you next time.